0: This is Total Retail Tech Insights, the content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I am joined on today's episode by Eric Best, the co-founder and CEO of SoundCommerce. So thank you for joining me today, Eric. Thanks, Joe. I'm really excited to be here. So, I wanted to, uh, to get us started and um, have you tell our audience a little bit about your career in the retail and e commerce industry and then kind of what led you up to starting SoundCommerce.
1: Happy to do it. Yeah. So, I've been a serial entrepreneur in this retail, e commerce, digital marketing, big data space uh, for many years now. Um, my career actually started at the really at the beginning of kind of what the e commerce industry experience um, sold a company to Amazon very early in Amazon's history, and spent a few years ideating on their third-party seller marketplace program. Um, I'm not going to name the year, but it was early in Amazon's history. <laughs> they were a newly public company, and more recently, um, I sold a venture-backed business called Mercant to Liberty Interactive, which is the parent company of Zulily and HSN and QVC um, in 2015. Uh, we merged with uh, another data platform provider called Commerce Hub. And I stayed on as chief strategy officer there and helped take the combined company public on NASDAQ in 2016. And maybe just two other quick notes in terms of the lead into Sound Commerce. Um, following the IPO, uh, I left Commerce Hub. I advised a few uh, Seattle-based technology startups that were focused on the retail industry. And then I spent a year out of the tech space. I actually took on an interim CEO role at a consumer apparel brand in Southern California called Rich or Poor. And I learned very quickly all the things that I didn't know about yeah. the challenges of running an inventory-driven business as a consumer brand. Um, and in large part, it was that work as a brand operator that inspired uh, our vision and thesis at SoundCommerce. Commerce.
0: That provides a, a perfect uh, runway or lead into um, the launch of Sound Commerce. Um, so, tell our audience a little bit about that, this current business um, and uh, and how it can help. You know, our audience obviously retail execs. Um, tell us a little bit about SoundCommerce Commerce and how it can help our audience.
1: Yeah, I think we're pursuing a really interesting thesis. You know, one that was informed by. Um, many years of technology and uh, retail operating experience, and basically, it's a it's a quick two part story. The business value proposition of the technology platform that we're building um, is basically aligning retail decisions, you know, consumer brand decisions around what we view as the new north star of this industry. A concept of shopper lifetime value or customer lifetime value, LTV. And lifetime value is often misunderstood as a revenue metric. But if it's instrumented properly, it's actually a measure of contribution profit over time. You know, you look at all the variable costs that go into running a very complex retail business, digital marketing, cost of acquisition, and of course, variable cost of fulfillment and delivery. Um, to the consumer doorstep, cost of goods sold, the impact of discount promotions, um, all those variables that go into cost accounting for a retail business. And our thesis is that if you can instrument the business to measure these things on a very granular level at the individual order and customer level, then you're going to be in uh, in a position to make very informed strategic decisions about how to profitably grow over time. So the the second part of the story is that moving to that real time or even predictive understanding of um, all of the unit economics of your business um, takes incredible compute horsepower. And in fact, we would say that SoundCommerce really could not have uh, provided the solution we're providing today if we had started the company, say, five or 10 years ago because modern cloud computing was not available yet. Um, So the technology value proposition of our business is to make it faster, easier, cheaper, and more flexible for consumer brands and retailers to adopt modern cloud infrastructure in a way that allows them to buy an off-the-shelf solution rather than going and say, hiring system integrators or building a massive engineering team and spending years and millions of dollars building something from scratch.
0: So I'm interested in that, that first piece that you told me well, I'm interested in both, but I'm going to uh, direct this follow-up in the, into that first uh, piece you talked about, the business value, in terms of that lifetime value. There's a couple of external factors I'm interested in getting your take on and, and why your business is so critical now. Um, consumers are, are becoming less brand loyal, Less, at least that's the data you know, we're seeing and we're hearing that consumers, especially as they become more digital in nature, there's so much choice out there. Um, they're becoming less brand loyal than they have been in the past. And then the second one is kind of that the, the rising cost of, of everything, essentially, but goods, uh, cost of customer acquisition, um, those two factors combined um, really makes what you're doing at SoundCommerce so critical and looking at the kind of that Lifetime value and, and profit contribution. Do you want to just talk a little bit about those two factors and how they kind of influence what you're doing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in some ways, this goes all the way back to what has made Amazon such a formidable force in our industry. You know, I, we would argue that Amazon has done two things incredibly well that are, that are very differentiated from maybe the typical consumer brand or retailer. One is just this data capability that they've built for themselves which of course has resulted in AWS. But the other, I would say, is this focus on operations as a driver of customer experience. And Prime, of course, is like the, the Sterling example of what that is. Um, you know, The ability to get cons- consumer products to the doorstep in two days or less, right? Um, and you think about how commonplace that is today, but how profoundly different it is from kind of where we were before Amazon you know, created that thing. Um, so one of the things that informs our work at SoundCommerce, and I'll kind of try to directly answer your question here is that you know the work doesn't stop uh, at the point of conversion. We have a very strong um, thesis that it is the operational decisions um, that align with a marketing strategy that are arguably maybe more important than the marketing decisions themselves. And what I'm talking about is, you know, what are the lead times? Um, for my overseas suppliers, how do I know that I'll have sufficient inventory on hand um, when the demand arrives? You know, and of course, this is very topical as we look toward Black Friday and Cyber Monday um, this year. Uh, I heard the phrase the other day, you know, inventory is king. It's not cash this year by virtue of the supply chain issues that the industry is facing. So that, um, that demand planning and inventory forecasting is an example of the type of decision-making that should be driven by real-time data, um, predictively, ideally. And you can kind of look across all the other operational concerns of a business. You know, uh, merchandising, what's my product assortment? Um, How is my merchandising calendar informed by operational considerations like available, um, available inventory and so on? How does that inform my pricing strategy, my discounting strategy, and so on? So, um, you know, as we look back at sort of the impact of COVID and, and this um, massive uh, acceleration in e-commerce growth in 2020, and then what you could sort of characterize as like a return to the new normal now, um, you know, we're, are, we're really focused on taking these operational considerations and making them part of the, the data conversation, the real-time decisioning conversation for consumers, uh, consumer brands and retailers rather.
0: Yeah. So you touched on it there in, in terms of, from a macro level, what we've seen um, in, in terms of consumer behavioral shifts in the last, you know, close to two years now, um, talk about kind of those operational challenges that have presented themselves um, because of those behavioral shifts and um, what you're seeing in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there were, on the one hand, uh, major challenges, right, with with the profound changes that we saw with stores being locked down and factories shutting down and so on last year, I think that also created real opportunity for companies that were prepared to capitalize on these changes, right, right? Um, we saw a massive spike in, for instance, subscription uh, driven retailers that are in our portfolio. So companies that are fulfilling subscription coffee to the consumer doorstep, or maybe, you know, protein powders and nutritional supplements, uh, categories that performed incredibly well as we saw this acceleration in e-commerce. And at SoundCommerce, we also serve a growing portfolio of billion-dollar omni-channel retail companies, you know, some very well-established. Uh, names in the industry. And there were some very creative uh, operational changes that we saw those companies make. Um, One in particular that I'll call out, when stores were shuttered, um, one of our larger customers turned those stores into single employee fulfillment centers. Um, And whereas this company had not previously had a ship from store program, their e-commerce business, they were able to stand one up very quickly um, and effectively turn all of that captive inventory that was locked up in those shuttered stores um, and sort of turn this, you know, turn lemons into
0: lemonade, if you will. Yeah. Sort of that reinvention of the physical store, in many cases, for these omnichannel brands to, um, one, begin shipping online orders from their stores, fulfilling, um, you know, rolling out, in many cases, curbside um and you know this would have to happen so quickly um because obviously no one could have planned for this pandemic um so the operational challenges there and then how that to, to kind of bring a full circle how that impacts marketing decisions to your point earlier um is really as an interesting case um so one of the things i wanted to talk about was um some of those opportunities you mentioned that, that the you know the, this time of um you know uh Innovation, you know, an opportunity to innovate themselves. They were forced to innovate themselves so many companies and so many retailers. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen in terms of these shifting consumer behaviors and how it's driven innovation for so many, as I mentioned, brick and mortar retailers, but also brands selling primarily online as well.
1: Yeah, I think just continuing on this theme, uh, many of our customers have been pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, once maybe an offline shopper makes the decision to move online. Um, It sort of demystifies the e-commerce process uh, or experience altogether. And so we did see this shift, I think of like an older demographic, um, maybe the laggards among shoppers uh, in terms of their adoption of digital technology and so on. And in a sense, there's no going back. Um, And so the opportunity there for the industry you know, for consumer brands and retailers is to kind of embrace this and expect that um, this digital transformation that we're uh, probably still in the early innings in um, will continue. And especially for those traditional brands that maybe uh, could rely on their store footprint um, and uh, the loyalty of their existing shopper base you know, when everything was upended last year, uh, I think it really did create this moment of reckoning for decision makers that it was time to invest in this this theme of digital transformation, the ability to engage shoppers in an omni-channel way. Um, and while those themes have been uh, front and center in the industry for a long time, again, I, I guess the point is, is that not every... Company was was required to invest to the same degree, depending on you know the nature of their customer base.
0: Yeah, Uh, to your point, a lot of first time digital customers, a lot of customers that primarily only shopped in stores were forced to change their behaviors, and um, it's presented some opportunities. Taking it back to Sound uh, Commerce, um, tell us a little bit about maybe from you know your conversations with your clients, how your platform. Uh, is helping them to potentially uh, capitalize on some of these opportunities that may have presented themselves. Yeah, well, kind of going back to
1: what I think is really the interesting opportunity here. You know, in a sense, we're what we're talking about is personalization, in a way, um, but 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 not in the traditional digital marketing e-commerce, you know, front end experience, but really. Um, Applying that concept of personalization, you know, uh, lifetime value-driven optimization uh, to the entire customer journey. So we already talked about our customer that launched ship from store during the, you know, sort of the COVID um, disruption, and of course they're not going to go turn off that capability now that they're there. Um, when we look at the things that our customers are doing today that I think are, are novel and unique and, and provide competitive advantage, um, on the Sound commerce platform, again, we're instrumenting to measure lifetime value as a profitability metric. So if you know the value or forecasted value of a customer, you know this isn't just about showing uh, a more curated product assortment on a category landing page. This is about, deciding the order in which you're going to pick pack and ship e-commerce orders from the fulfillment center based on whether or not that shopper being served is an active member of your loyalty club or whether the order was a subscription order that, you know, will drive, you know, a 10 X premium lifetime value over a shopper that might be a repeat non-subscriber purchaser. Um, We think about considerations like wow if i have awareness of the true value of this shopper in the warehouse um, how does that inform my decision to you know perhaps provide some sort of gift with purchase right Um, or a reward for a customer that i know has been a loyal customer for a certain period of time there's also the other side of this like if you if you actually get down to the high fidelity granular instrumentation of all of this data You can know which customers are sort of call them like worst offenders in terms of buying and and returning everything that they've purchased, you know, taking advantage of free shipping offers and discount promotions, but not keeping the product that they buy, right? And so you have brands that are investing um, outsized amounts in doorstep delivery and customer acquisition costs, but, you know, there's no return on that investment um, depending on the behavior of that shopper. So there are some very powerful things that you can do with the data, um, to ensure again, that you're kind of treating customers the right way, based on the way that they're interacting with your brand. I think there's a whole area of like fraud detection and things like that, that aren't directly, um, enabled by sound commerce, but are often, uh, enabled by the data that we're able to provide our customers.
0: Yeah, and and being able to integrate all these different data points and identify your potentially highest profit um, customers. And that then your point influences how you're going to treat that customer going forward, how you're going to market to that customer going forward. Uh, I think there's been some really good examples, specifically um, in the news recently, about some of these companies that have gone uh, public. A couple of examples, Warby Parker, Allbirds. Um, Within just the last week, Casper announced that it's going to be going private. Um, Talking, you know, these companies have seen massive scale and growth in terms of um, top line sales growth. But then the other piece of that is the profitability angle as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe you don't have to speak to those specific companies, but just the growth in um, focus rather on uh, identifying those high profit and that lifetime value of the customer?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Like we've been talking about the impact of COVID on the industry. I think one of the things that that 2020 Created is a delay in some of this profitability discipline for brands that may have have reached the point where they needed to prioritize that sooner. In other words, you know, this acceleration in e-commerce allowed people to sort of worry less about the bottom line because the top line was growing so quickly. And and I kind of feel like even in the last month or two with these IPOs that you mentioned with the Casper. you know, private transaction. We're kind of back to where the narrative was. I think um, in late 2019, it's it's like direct to consumer commerce is an incredibly complicated business, and um, most brands don't have a cloud computing business that they can use to subsidize their retail uh, operation, <laughs> unlike <laughs> someone we know. And um, and so whether. Uh, It happens kind of like in in your third round of venture capital financing or on day one as you're bootstrapping the creation of a brand or, you know, at some point when the public markets run out of uh, patience for a money losing brand, um, you know, at some point sooner or later, these operating retailers need to be able to turn a profit, you know, and um, in, in the aggregate, you know, net of all of the debt that they take on and all of the seasonal machinations that happen in the industry. Um, you know, it's at some point sooner or later, you need to, you need to turn a profit. You know, we, we talked about two themes and I'll just quickly touch on them. Um, instrumenting a retail business to act on all of this data can be super powerful in terms of, um, things like driving customer experience to, the potential value of a, of a shopper. Right. And we, we've touched on that already. There are more, um, fundamental questions that sound commerce helps answer as well. One of them that comes to mind is like, uh, what are the differences between distribution center fulfilled orders and, and brick and mortar store fulfilled orders when we look, um, across the operations of an e-commerce business, you know, Um, the benefit of ship from store, of course, is that you're able to maximize the available inventory for your e-commerce business. But the downside is, is that you have to operationalize all of the things that are necessary to provide that customer with a great doorstep experience. And that can be expensive and it can also be risky in terms of operational exceptions. So some of the basic things that we're thinking about that we're, you know, measuring on behalf of our customers, um, and analyzing in terms of root cause is like, how often do we spend $100 acquiring a customer on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok only to turn around and discover that the, inven- the store inventory that we were hoping to ship to that customer uh, is no longer available because someone walked into the store and bought it you know, while the e-commerce order was processing? Um, how often is that e-commerce order late because the store associates were busy with uh, in-store traffic, right? Right. Um, and so there was a processing delay, um, or, you know, the location of the inventory in terms of where that brick and mortar store is located was, um, further away than expected. And so there was a shipping delay and there's of course a cost to this as well. Not, I think the important concept here is that yes, there's lost revenue when an operational exception occurs, you know, you ship late, you miss the kid's birthday party, Um, Or you never ship at all because there was this inventory problem across your store footprint. But I think the more powerful measure is, well, what happens to that shopper's repeat purchase propensity when you fail them as a brand in terms of your brand promise? And what does that imply in terms of their lifetime value? And then in turn, what does that imply in terms of what you're able to pay to acquire the next shopper that comes along? You know, there's this very virtuous cycle that happens where you need to consider back-end operations and the impact of those things on customer experience in order to really understand what your marketing strategy should look
0: like. Yeah. Do you find that, uh, Eric, in your in your opinion, do you find that, that not enough retailers are asking these questions or maybe they don't have the, as these services start to get rolled out more and more, maybe they don't have the historical data to look at it or they don't have the systems that are able to integrate this data to give them a clear picture Maybe it's a combination of all those different things. What are you seeing there?
1: Yeah, I think this is uh, this is one of the major topics for the industry um, today. Again, repeating a couple of themes we've already touched on: Amazon's focus on data capability and operations first. You know, it, in contrast with maybe the prevailing um, trend that you see in the industry that marketing is the driver of, you know, the early adopter of these transformative digital technologies. And I, I guess there's two themes that are worth calling out here. You know I mentioned earlier a build versus buy dilemma that we see consumer brands and retailers face when they think about digital transformation. Um, early on in our conversation I mentioned, I've advised a few different technology companies. and um, one of the companies I advised before founding Sound Commerce was in the CDP space, the customer data platform space. And one of my takeaways from my time there is that, you know, if you're going to go solve this data problem for shopper profile data, you know, broadly speaking, kind of the creation of this golden customer profile um, and unlock a bunch of marketing use cases for that data, you, you may as well do it for merchandising data and customer service data and operations data as well, you know, things like. Product item master and order order flow um, throughout the you know the order life cycle the operational order life cycle things that we're focused on and of course we've talked about finance and unit economics and the importance of profitability here. So um, what brands and retailers uh, have at their disposal today, sort of in the pre-sound commerce era, if you will, is either the ability to adopt these narrowly defined platforms like CDPs that solve a portion of the data problem, or they're in this situation where they have to either hire a custom system integrator or build a a software engineering team. And the latter is generally going to be um, uh, very expensive. It's going to take a long time to get to value. Um, And you're sort of hoping that by the time you get to the end of a what is typically a multi-year project that the relevance of what you've built is still high? You know yeah. that that you you haven't sort of already built in obsolescence to the custom solution that you've put in place. So we're you know I th- I think there's an opportunity in the industry for um, a more prescriptive set of data solutions, things that frankly allow every independent brand and retailer to think and act more like Amazon.
0: And to your points, think and act more like Amazon speed there as well, right, Eric? So that the factor of being able to make these decisions quickly um, factors into that. For sure. And, and just we haven't talked much about
1: this, and this is maybe part of our longer term roadmap. But you know, I think AI and machine learning are, are pretty hyped at this point, but there are very specific uh, applications for that technology that I think are super relevant to the industry. Some of them we've already touched on today. You know, the ability to forecast the value of a customer um, out into the future, um, the ability to forecast demand, the ability to forecast inventory and assortment needs, these types of things. Um, I think we're going to see this ongoing evolution of course like toward more automation and more AI and machine learning driven decision making
0: yeah the ability to, the, to forecast the profitability of the customer your inventory uh, operations that then dictates future spend and obviously um, to our larger conversation around the overall profitability of the business um, it, and just like you know the, the, the I guess the risk
1: there is always that these things the the algorithms themselves don't work. It's not directly related to our industry, but I thought it was fascinating to read of Zillow's um, c- closure of their yeah. um, private you know, home buying program. Um, and if you believe the Wall Street Journal coverage of that recent decision, it was because these predictive algorithms that Zillow was using were just not up
0: to the job. Yeah. Poor data in is going to lead poor data output, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested... Um, you know, we've talked a lot about sound commerce, um, more from a, and looking ahead here as we come to the end of uh, this year and looking at next year, what are in your opinion, Eric, or, are some of the trends that you're forecasting that you believe will have a uh, an outsized impact on retailers businesses moving into 2022? Well,
1: the big one that we've already talked about is I think as we see this, you know, return to omni-channel commerce as stores open, um, Omnichannel customer experiences, you know, the integration of uh, the digitization of of brick and mortar in-store experience is going to be key. Um, You know, it's still sort of shocking to me to uh, learn how few of our customers have the ability, for instance, to identify an in-store shopper um, using a loyalty program or e-receipts. You know, these things feel like they should be Table stakes at this point in the industry, but you know there there are many brands that are operating on legacy infrastructure where this was not necessarily an expectation. You know, um, so I think we're going to see ongoing investment in how um, a brick and mortar store presence can drive um, customer experiences, you know, unique experiences in store. And um, you look at the rise, like the, the investment that um, purely digital direct-to-consumer brands are making in brick-and-mortar store footprint. And I think we're going to see this resurgence in terms of physical uh, presence among, uh, among brands in the industry. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I think to your point, I think we're already starting to see that some of the numbers that we're seeing or what's being forecast, at least for um, holiday season, kind of that resurgence in terms of brick and mortar. Um, you know, an omni-channel becomes even a bigger play too. Um, you know, nobody's or not nobody, but a lot of people are walking into a store having already experienced the brand or the retailer online. They've done their research, they're going in and they're having that, you know, multiple touch points with a retailer and stores being one of them.
1: Yeah, you look at um, some of our more progressive customers, and they have their um, they have their native mobile app, you know, their proprietary mobile app. They're able to um, tie out the data from that point of presence with their customer call center, with the point of sale systems that they have in store, with their e commerce storefront, um, and you know, so there is kind of this best in class experience that I think. Um, Is being driven by some of the digitally native uh, startups that are now experimenting with store locations as well.
0: Yeah, and tying all those various data points together to get that holistic picture of the customer um, so that you're able to then uh, identify um, profitability over the long term and how you're marketing to that customer, how you are investing in that customer. uh, And SoundCommerce is able to obviously help retailers with with that um, so I'll close with this, Eric, for those um, that want to learn a little bit more about SoundCommerce or you in particular, um, where would you direct them? What would you tell them?
1: Yeah, well, we've got a, a growing team uh, ready to serve and really excited about the technology that we have brought to market here. Um, lots of information available at soundcommerce.com. Um, and there's an 800 number that customers can call to contact us directly. Um, or just email uh, info at soundcommerce.com to learn more. And we'd be happy to engage, provide some strate- strategic advisory uh, work uh, on top of the technology platform that we've brought to market.
0: Well, great. I've uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I want to take the opportunity to thank Eric Best, again, the co-founder and CEO of SoundCommerce for joining us on today's episode of Total Retail Tech Insights and providing all of this great insight for our audience. So thank you for joining me today, Eric. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.